founders. Welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Jason Moore, founder and CEO of Stratasan. Jason began his Nashville-based startup in 2010 with the mission to change the way hospitals and health systems use data to achieve strategic growth. Stratasan is a leading provider of advanced data analytics and market intelligence to healthcare strategic planning and marketing professionals delivered via cloud services. A high-growth healthcare technology company, Stratasan works with more than 1,000 hospitals across 40-plus states to remove the roadblocks of endless data analysis and progress to the, to the important work of growth planning. Jason was named on the Nashville Business Journal's One to Watch list in 2019 and a Healthcare Award winner in 2020. Jason, we are so excited to have you on the podcast today, my friend. Wow, thank you, Drew. Glad to be here. Yes, sir. So tell me this. Same question I ask every founder at the beginning. What were the series of events that led you to starting this company? Oh, well, my entrepreneurial journey actually started in your city, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I uh, started my first company back in uh, 2000 timeframe. Okay. Um, we started uh, an active server pages company or web-based applications or what actually came to be known as a SaaS model company, uh, kind of before that term was coined. And uh, so I started that in 2000 with two partners. Um, and that was a kind of a ticketing system, asset management, bus routing software system. And uh, we, we built that for about 10 years. Uh, but during that time, wow. back in uh, back in 04, uh, so about four years post starting that company, uh, my wife and I had our first child. So uh, she's from Nashville, Tennessee. So that's what brought me to Nashville uh, originally. Okay. But I continued with that company for another six years, uh, running it remotely from Nashville with my partners going back and forth. Um, and about 2008 or 2009, you know, it started... Uh, just becoming more and more important for me as, you know, personally to kind of get more integrated into the Nashville uh, scene. Sure. Um, so I started talking to my, with, my, with my partners, my old partners, um, about potentially exiting <clears throat> so I could start something, you know, new in, in Nashville and kind of start considering that. And, and that was about a two-year journey, actually, conversations. Um, still great friends with those guys. It was a very friendly, you know, exit. Sure. Uh, actually talked to one of them probably three times a week still, uh, you know, we still kind of peer mentorship, you know, peer, peer mentor each other. Um, but, you know, starting in 2008, I started looking around Nashville and kind of, you know, thinking through the, the possibilities of, of what, um, what company I could potentially, you know, try to help start or join. Mm. Uh, it wasn't necessarily, you know, I didn't have to start something new. Uh, it could have been a, a, a new, new company or, or a bigger company. Uh, looking back, that would have been a bad fit to, to, to join a, a larger company. I've always kind of said I started the, uh, I, I helped start that first company because I always knew I would probably be a pretty bad employee. So um, I needed to start a company so nobody could fire me. I was about to say, for most entrepreneurs, they, they we are pretty unhirable. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. I, I have no resume to speak of. Um, so yeah, back in 08, I started, you know, looking at Nashville and that landscape and seeing what could be possible and really the main industries here um uh, book publishing is is a is a big one obviously hmm. music and um and and it's not just country music it's actually music city not just country music city yeah and uh, and then healthcare and um i'm not musically gifted in the slightest bit 
book publishing wasn't all that intriguing to me. So I started, you know, thinking through uh, how I could get involved in the healthcare uh, ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, there really wasn't an entrepreneurial ecosystem at Nashville or in Nashville at the time, you know, once again, starting in 2008. Um, so I, I started networking, going into healthcare networking groups and um, just trying to learn as much as I could about the, about the um, industry and uh, not having a healthcare background, you know, that's obviously uh, a potential roadblock. Of yeah. Did they, the did they wonder why you were in a healthcare networking group when you know, when you don't uh, have a background in it? Yeah, I mean, and it, it's easy. It's an easy story to tell in Nashville because Nashville is a very welcoming business community. And if you move to Nashville, uh, you're, you know, a lot of times people move here for healthcare. But if you move to Nashville not for healthcare, you're going to naturally gravitate towards it because it's, mm. you know, a massive part of our, you know, GDP as a as a as a city. Uh, so I, I wasn't the only person. I'm still not, you know, you know, I, I meet people all the time trying to get into the healthcare space that have no have no background. Um, but as I started kind of meeting people and talking through and trying to find um, either, like I said, a company that was just starting or, uh, or a potential idea to, to start with, um, you know, I, I was kind of compiling this list and doing some market research and kind of settled on the, on the idea that, that is now Stratasan and it's fairly close to, to what we started. It was wow. a different name when we first started it. Um, but it's a, you know, we have a healthcare data analytics software company. Uh, healthcare is not the only thing that I didn't do when I started the company. I'm also not a data analyst or a data scientist, and I've never written a line of code. Uh, <laughs> so take all three of those things and 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 see what you can do. But I, but what I did have, I felt could be a, a kind of a unique proposition to, to to getting a company started, is you know getting back to that that Atlanta-based company. Um, you know, I'd, I'd been running and operating um, a, a software as a service company for, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, that's a different beast. And um, at, at this time, this is probably 2009, 2010, there weren't really many at all uh, SaaS companies in Nashville. Uh, Emma Email Marketing, which, which, you know, did really, really well, competitor to MailChimp in, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up getting purchased by exact target a couple of years back for, for a great exit. But that was, that was really, I think the only one I remember in Nashville at all, you know, SAS, wow. SAS product company. And there were companies that had some SAS offerings, but it really wasn't, you know, an ecosystem or, or, a, or a scene that, that had a lot of that. So I, I felt like potentially, you know, if we, if there's a ton of healthcare people here and you can build a data analytics team and, you know, you can, uh, look around and potentially find, you know, a dev team that you can start building. Uh, I felt like I may have some, some usefulness to, um, to operating a SaaS company here. Wow. So I'm curious, this is more for just, I've noticed entrepreneurs seem to stumble into the business that they currently run a few different ways. Sometimes it's they've always had the idea or they've always wanted to do this in this industry. Other times they, they, they stumble onto an opportunity. Somebody says, Hey, you want to start this with me? And then other times like yourself, they know they want to start something and they actually are indifferent at first on what the product is. and They're just looking for, let's say the right market fit or the need that needs solving. I'm curious for you when you were looking around and maybe if you were ever to look again, what kind of filters would you use? What would you be saying? Here's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, you nailed it. Um, I like, like I said, the background wasn't there as far as like what Stratasan was going right. to do as a company. Um, but, but I, I like to solve problems. I like to kind of try to build systems. Uh, I'm not um, 
a, you know, a great process driven operator. Um, but I do like building systems and, and, and trying to solve for a problem. And I really, you know, back in 2000, getting kind of introduced to, to software as a service, you know, so early on, I was always very intrigued, you know, with, with shifting that, you know, in healthcare as an industry was slower to adopt that for, for, for good reasons because of, mm. you know, healthcare privacy issues and such. Uh, so I really, you know, I felt like we had a, had a pretty good lucky bounce as far as timing goes and, and looking at, you know, there's this problem that was, you know, that, that needed to be solved. Um, and it appeared that it could be solved by something I had a little bit of, you know, of experience with. Um, so, you know, it was, it was time to, to, to give it a shot. I, I, re I remember the first time uh, one of the advisors, early on advisors of the company kind of brought this idea to light and said, I think there's, you know, something to, to explore here. <clears throat> I really didn't actually like the idea of the company because I was, I just wouldn't, I didn't believe that the healthcare industry, you know, wasn't using software as a service to the way it was, you know, hearkening back to the fact that I don't have a lot of healthcare experience. I think most people in healthcare be like, well, of course there was a, you know, that being done at yeah. that time. Um, so I, I, you know, I took a little, uh, it took a little course coursing to, to get me to really, really dive in. But as I started meeting more and more executives and, and, you know, asking certain questions, it, it started showing that, you know, there may be a, an opportunity here. Mm. This may be a redundant question. And if so, we can just move on, but I'm almost wanting to look at the other side of it and say, what would be an example, not necessarily what the company is or whatever, but what would be the example of something that you would think is a bad idea? Right. Let's say I came to you as an as an entrepreneur and I'm like, hey, I think I think this is a company I should start because here's a problem and I want to solve it. What would be some of those things you'd be looking for? Maybe metrics like, man, how big is the industry or forecasting the margins? Like, what, are there anything that would come to mind or is there no universal way of really looking at something like that? Um. I, I've, well, I, that's a really interesting question, by the way, Drew, it's uh, not, a, not an easy one to answer. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were going to do softballs today. But, Sorry. Uh, that's, um, I, I, I like the, the thought of that because I think what I get most skeptical is when uh, very, very early on in the process, uh, the founder uh, or founders uh, really portray that they have it just nailed and figured out. Mm. And that to me, um, it, so it has nothing to do with the idea that they're, that they're talking about. Cause generally, I mean, 99% of the time, I'm not going to know whether it's a good idea or not. Sure. But if, but if they have a little bit too much confidence that they know exactly how to solve all the problems of the world of these people that somehow haven't figured it out that are working in it every day. Yeah. That, that typically like makes me a little skittish. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Because there's, there's like an assumption that they have some unique kind of brilliance that, like you said, the people day in and day out in this field don't have, yeah. and even though they might be right about some key right. issue or whatever, you, you've got to know there's going to be some nuance coming that you don't understand yet. There might be a pivot or a contextualization you're not grasping. Um, that's interesting. Great answer. So I'm curious for you, what then you pick the idea. Yep. Say, okay. I think this is, the thing I'm going to now launch my, my time, my energy, my effort into, uh, where does it start? How, how does the company go from that to, to off the ground? Um, well, so there's a theme of my life of a, a whole lot of lucky bounces. And uh, this, this would lead into to one of the bigger ones. 
Uh, as I'd mentioned, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd been operating the, the company with my partners uh, back in Atlanta uh, for almost 10 years. So it wasn't that I was a brand new entrepreneur, even though I, I it, it was probably not until about 2007 before I would refer to myself as an entrepreneur because I mm. saved that word for Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and right, right. Bell. And like, it, it, you know, now it's just like anybody's an entrepreneur because they kind of want to start. Yeah. Something. Cause they show, that's they, fine. They and that's fine too. It's, it, it's a, it's a different, it's, it, it, you know, it's perfectly fine. It's just, it's just different. You know, that the, the, the word entrepreneur in 2000 really was just not all that common. I mean, it, yeah, was, it wasn't sexy either. No. I, yeah. It was actually like, well, so you're unemployed. That's what exactly. Right? Yeah. So, so you have no of, motivation. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> kind of true. Right. Like it's not, not necessarily not, not, un, it's not true, not untrue. Um, but in 2009 or 10, 10, uh, Nashville was really, as I'd mentioned, there wasn't a real entrepreneur ecosystem here, but there was a real desire. And when I say an entrepreneur ecosystem, Nashville is an absolutely entrepreneurial town and has been mm -hmm. forever. HCA is the largest company here and it was 100% a, an entrepreneurial effort, but there wasn't that, um, like this type of company, type of entrepreneur ecosystem. You know, there, okay. were, there were a ton of entrepreneurs around town, uh, but it, it it was a different group, and it hadn't it it hadn't flown down to or uh, flowed down to to this level. So anyway, there was a real concerted effort on the city's part and those people uh, who had been successful in the music industry and in the publishing industry and the healthcare industry to get together and uh, really. Uh, uh, get that created, you know, help, help get it created. You can't really create that, but, but you can, you can kind of set your city and you, you, you can set your city up for success to allow grassroots efforts to, to grow. So what, what came of that was um, uh, early 2010, um, the Nashville Entrepreneur Center launched a website, right? And there was a lot of hoopla around it and there was a lot of doubt on the in the entrepreneurial community of like so it's just a website and it's just matching these things and it's been done a lot but there was a real plan in place by by the people that were that were behind that and uh it ended up being on september 1st of 2010 the national entrepreneur center got its first physical office space mm. And, um, and it was right downtown on Broadway. If you've ever been to Nashville, yep. literally honky tonk, honky tonk, Nashville Entrepreneur Center, honky tonk, honky tonk. Like that's just what it was. And um, anyway, the, the, the day before uh, that, that was starting. So I guess that would be uh, August 31st. If August has 31 days, I had been invited <laughs> to an EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization uh, yeah. uh, networking event, which I was like, I don't qualify for that. Or, you know, I, I, I don't qualify. You have these rules. Right. So like, well, you got to have this much revenue. Anyway. You might, might meet some people. I denied it because I didn't want to be there and not, and, and then get to the door. I'm like, uh, yeah, you don't qualify. I'm like, yeah, well, I told you that. But, right. <laughs> but so, so anyway, I, 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 I said no, but I heard about this guy named Michael Bertram, who was going to be the, the, the just been named the CEO of this entrepreneur center that was starting. And I heard that he was going to be at this event as a, as also a, somebody they were recruiting for membership. So when I heard that through the grapevine, I called them back or emailed them back and asked if I could come. They said, absolutely. <clears throat> so I showed up this event specifically to meet this guy and um, asked him about the entrepreneur center. I said, I you know, I've been reading about it. I've been an entrepreneur for about 10 years. You know, running this company in Atlanta, 
And, but I really love the idea of like a professional mentor program that's specifically going to help, you know, people like me, I'm not a great financials you know, person, sure. much like many entrepreneurs, gap filling, right? You know, they, yep. were, they were putting together this really professional guided mentorship program um, where they would plug and play mentors to help you through and, and help you try to get your idea into an investable story. Right. Not necessarily make it work, not, not, but really, are, are you going to be able to get, you know, take your idea and make it investable? So the, once again, this is the day before they just happened to be opening the doors and I and really not even open the doors. They were taking over the lease. So I met Michael as gracious as he always is. And he was like, yeah, sure. Jason, that sounds great. Would you like to come pitch? Absolutely. He said, how about tomorrow morning at eight? I'm like, <laughs> Absolutely. And this is a cocktail event. So this is 930 at night or so. I had no deck. I had oh. no, I had nothing. I literally at 930 at night, this is now, was that 10 and a half hours away from when he's asking me to come pitch? Um, I So of course my answer was C at eight. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. So I uh, stayed up that night, built a deck, showed up, uh, met Michael and, and then the then COO, Sam Lingo. They hadn't even, they had no furniture. They had some pop-up tables. We were borrowing internet from the Hard Rock Cafe across the street. <laughs> um, so I pitch, right? And um, I'm, I, I, oh, I'm glad this isn't recorded. Like, but I'm fumbling through this thing. And at the end, uh, I said, Michael's always gracious, but it, but he's always also direct. Yeah. And uh, so at the end of it, he goes, Jason, I, you know, I, I really like your your energy. I think you're onto something. But I have to say that was the worst pitch I've ever heard. Of <laughs> Great. So what does that mean? And then he followed up. He goes, but if we're here and we're going to do the things that we're saying we're going to do as a, as a city, uh, as the entrepreneur center, then, you know, if, if you, if you, if you're onto something, if you're willing to put in the work, I think we might be a good fit for you. So um if you're interested, I, I, you know, I think you could join the, you know, join the program. And, wow. and you know, once again, they have no furniture, they're as ill-equipped to be having this meeting as I was, except they had experience and skill. And I, you know, I was just, I had a backpack. Um, so Mike, Michael said, would you like to, you know, join? Out? I was like, yes. Mm. And he said, well, when are you thinking about getting started? I'm like, well, I didn't really sleep last night. I haven't eaten today. Like if I could go eat, he goes, <laughs> oh, you mean today? I'm like, well, yeah, is that okay? So I literally go eat lunch and come back. And I moved into the entrepreneur center that day. Um, wow. And they literally had, it was, it was literally nothing. It was, it was a looking back once again, unbelievable lucky bounce. Uh, and the mentor program that they were building was being built. Wasn't yeah. built yet. So, yeah, so yeah. I was kind of a guinea pig and yeah, you were like in the beta the program as they were building it as they were going. But the beautiful thing about that is the, is the, you know, really ultra smart people that were the, the think tank and building this became my mentors. Wow. And so it wasn't the mentor program, which was an unbelievable roster of people. It was the people that were building the unbelievable roster of people. So I really spent the next nine months. Um, well, September to May 18th of 2011, however many months that is. Um, trying to build an investable story, and May 18th is when we got our got our original seed seed capital and wow. moved out into a co-working space and got started. 
dude, that's amazing. When you look at that time period, you get that mentor program. What were some of the key things you took away from that that you didn't have coming into it? <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love that question because um, over the coming weeks and months, right? You know, they started getting furniture and, you know, building out this entrepreneur center and, and more and more people were, were moving in. And at the time, so this was in uh, 2010, 2011. So I was uh, 36, 35, 36, somewhere around that range. <clears throat> Everybody else moving in was old at 27, right? 28, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it was, it was fresh out of college or maybe out of an MBA program. There weren't, there weren't many people 30 or, or older. And I remember um, understanding what an opportunity this was, right? Yeah. Like getting time with these people that were going to fill the gaps, you know, just able to fill the gaps that, that I had, which, were, which really were a lot. Um, and I remember one time, uh, a, a person that had also moved in, that, that's now a great friend of mine. He looked at me, he's like, I, I don't get it, Jason. Like you, you've run a company for 10 years. Why, why do you need this place? And it was not like, it was just a knee jerk, truthful reaction, which was because I've run a company 10 years and I know how blank hard this is. Yeah. And I know how much help I need. Mm. And I probably didn't realize that 10 years ago. And so, you know, I think the 10 years of battling and, you know, trying and, and just getting your face kicked in, um, I think it just made me appreciate like what resources were there and it made me show up every day and, and, you know, try to push forward. Man, that is so good. And you're right. That's, that's really only something you can learn at the end of experience and sometimes at the expense of experience, right? Mm. Where you're like, man, I kind of had to learn the hard way that it's much easier to take advantage of resources out there, right? Yeah. That somebody can save you the dummy tax, yeah. right? Or that they could add their strength to your weakness. And, you know, there's that African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together, mm. right? And you just, you start to, to say, well, man, it'd be amazing to have a mentor or to have an advisor or to have a coach or to bring the system in that helps us with A, B, and C. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. Well, tell me this, when you do start the company, what is the specific thing that the company was trying to do in the healthcare industry? I know we said uh, healthcare data analytics. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so one of the, one of the working theories, which luckily, you know, became uh, correct is that, you know, at the time, the amount of, of data and the quality of data and the consensus, consistency of data uh, was was just all over the place. You know, where what kind of data you could get in healthcare, um, and what what we wanted to kind of or the, the kind of the working theory, if, if if you will, our true north, was, you know, data can do a lot of stuff. You can do anything with it. Which direction you go? So we really kind of honed in on strategic growth opportunities, and and in healthcare. You know, if you think about it, if you think about growth in healthcare uh, from a provider side, if you will, so okay. hospitals or ambulatory surgery centers or whatever it may be, you know, if you're looking to grow, you can either gain more patients in your current capturement area, 
or you can move into new markets or, or expand your capturing area or move into new markets. So there's three okay. different, different ways. So you can gain bigger, better market share in your current space. You can expand your space or you can move into to new space. So that was really kind of the working theory of, okay, of all the things that you can do with all of the various um, data sets out there, that's what we're going to point our tools at. Mm. The other side of it is, um, you know, as I had my doubts that this was like not being done, you know, it, it certainly was being done, right? But it was just not being done from a products company standpoint. Mm. There were, you know, big behemoths in the space. If you, you know, Clayton Christensen's uh, Innovator's Dilemma, definitely kind of that, that, that setup, that playbook was the one in play. And, um, and, and the behemoths really were great companies, but they were really more either consultant, you know, large, large, large consultancy practices or educators, that, that type of thing. So yep. what, what, we, what we wanted to do is if you think about the DIKW pyramid that, you know, data at the foundation and from data begets information, take your knowledge, so DIK, your knowledge, so your working knowledge of, 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 your, of your marketplace, of the relationships in your marketplace, combine those things together. And then the wisdom level is really, you know, just gained through experience. And that's really where good decisions are made. Mm. So we were applying that, that working theory to the healthcare space and strategic growth. So what we wanted to do, instead of come in at the wisdom level, like a consultant, and be the smartest people in the room, right? And tell you exactly what to do in your marketplace. We wanted to actually go from the bottom what can we do to make data more accessible? Uh, you know, instead of someone who's been in the healthcare strategic planning space for 15 years, spending 80% of their time trying to find data and scrub data and QA mm. and aggregate and curate it into a, a way that then you can pull a little bit of information out of it and then maybe have a little bit of time left to apply some knowledge and wisdom. Instead of that, we were trying to compress you know, the time they spent internally on data and information through our data services and our applications, automating those things that are automatable. So as data flows in, our data services automates that and then pumps it into once we've curated that data from an automated standpoint, you have curated blocks of data that you can then build scalable applications on. So pushing, you know, really, instead of coming in at the top and being the smartest people in the room, we wanted to go in and take your internal resources and push them up the value chain, pull them mm. out of the data and information and let them use the, that 15 years of experience in making better strategic growth decisions. That's awesome. Uh, so one, I understand 75% of that. The other 25%. <laughs> well, then I'm not doing my job. You need to, no. you know, at least 76%. <laughs> <laughs> the 25% is on me. It's not on you. Right. Um, but Here's what I am curious about uh, in those early years. What was the most challenging part? You got this great idea. Uh, the part that I do understand makes a whole lot of sense to me, how you were coming in, how you're positioning yourself. What was the most challenging part in those early years about building this company? Uh, well, let's start on the, you know, uh, no entrepreneur should look at themselves. Um, they, they shouldn't lose themselves to the work. Hmm. You must remain personal. Uh, as I mentioned, when we moved to, from Atlanta to Nashville, that was when my wife and I had our first child. So that was in 04. Um, we now have five children. Um, when I moved, the, the, the story of moving into the Entrepreneur Center, that was um, September of 2010. 
uh, we had just had our third child, right? So, you know, um, so there was never a time that I uh, lacked motivation of needing sure. to, to, to make something work. But it also was, you know, was uh, something else that, that, that kept, kept me working from, from a different angle than most. That, that same guy that asked the question around, um, you've been running a company for 10 years, why are you here? He also, we also, we, we have, we had a lot of great conversations. Like I said, we're great friends today, but one of the late nights at the entrepreneur center, you know, maybe having a cocktail, uh, he had asked, he was like, man, I don't, I don't know how, I don't understand how you do this. Like, cause he was single, you know, late twenties. Sure. He's like, you're married. You have three kids. I have no clue how you do this. And I, and once again, honest reaction was, I actually have no clue how you do this mm. because when I leave here, I go home, I'm hit with, you know, kids and like, so I, I'm not stuck in my own, own head sure. all night long. Like with, I, I have meaningful distractions. Yeah. It's like a uh, counterbalance. And, yeah. So it, it allowed me to balance and kind of push through. So it allowed me to come in fresh early in the morning and kind of get back to it and then get a, you know, to, to get away from it and get back into it. So that, that, that flow was, was good getting to the most, most, difficult parts i think of, of anybody is 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 um establishing credibility mm. healthcare is is really good at somebody leaving one of those large entrepreneurial companies like an hca somebody really smart has spent 10 15 20 years really getting to know a certain aspect of the company or of the of the industry yeah. and then being able to, to roll that out and apply that in starting a company. I had, I had none of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so getting back to Michael Bertram at the entrepreneur center, he, he talked to, about all the time. He goes, Jason, you have to forget about that. You, you have zero credibility because even the people le leaving an HCA or a life point health, they have zero credibility in running this company. They're also borrowing someone else's credibility. Mm. And so I, I really learned uh, or tried to learn, Try to execute on borrowing other people's credibility. I, I, I got a, a, a hugely lucky bounce right after funding. Met um, somebody who became a, a great friend of mine who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, but she was, um, uh, her name's Melissa Wadi. She was, she was a rising star at, at a company called LifePoint Health. And I met her through mutual friends. She graciously gave me a meeting. I don't know. I said something that was intriguing. She was a decision maker and and what we were attempting to build, but it was really early on. And um, she was just gracious in, in her time and, and gave some great feedback. And uh, we struck a chord and, and, you know, eventually were able to, to almost accidentally get a contract there. Wow. And uh, I used the hell out of that credibility, <laughs> like just, you know, have you met my friend LifePoint? And then yeah. we were able to get, you know, um, uh, HMA down in Florida who was bought by CHS and every little bit, you know, incrementally just build and build and build from that. But um, I think it, I, I think one of the more difficult things for an entrepreneur is, um, is trying to rush it. Mm. And um, I think that was part of what I had learned over those 10 years is, is, you know, you just have to keep plugging. Man, that is so cool. Uh, it makes me even think about, so for my business, I don't even know if we discussed this before, but I run a coaching business. We do people development, leader development, that kind of thing. I'm 35, about to be 36. So I meet 
at first some resistance, right? Like typically in my space, they run into people that used to run a company and now almost as a part-time kind of thing, they give back by doing mentorship and coaching, whatever. They're not used to seeing someone at my age leading a company that's doing that thing. And we've, we, we use a similar phrase, borrow for the borrow from the best. Right. So if there was like a strategic gap that someone's like, Hey, you know, how do we know your ideas are the best? In that sense, we'd go, well, we're not, we're borrowing from the best, right? We're taking all the ideas out there that are the best in this case and bring them to you. Or like you said, our first big win, man, that was huge. We had another coach come alongside us. He's like, that win should feed you for the next 10 years. And we were like, what do you mean? (laughs) Like we weren't thinking that way. Right. And he was like, that win, just like you're talking about should domino that it's a proof that you know what you're doing and that someone took a bet on you and it paid off. Right. And so we still haven't probably used it as well as we could have. Uh, but that was the beginning of starting to see a snowball for us a few years back was, well, Hey, they trusted us and look at the results they got. Right. Yeah. Um, well, Drew, that, honestly, that, that phrase from that mentor could be heard in, in a few different ways. Right. And you, I, I, it sounds like you heard it in the correct way, which is um, that, that one win could feed you for 10 years too often, um, there's a trap that, that you can accidentally or, or you know, maybe even purposely fall into, which is this company is going to be our, you know, our main source for 10 years. Yes. And, and that, it been, and that, that you could easily pull that from that. It's like, oh, okay, well, we need to work this deal as hard as we can. Right. And get as much out of it for the next 10 years. And you can do that by solely focusing on it. Or like you did, you can take that and use it to, gain other wins. And, and so, you know, good, good, good on you for, for, you know, taking that, that advice for it sounds yeah. like the way the mentor was giving it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it was exciting at first, right. When you get, you get your first big contract and you getting results and it's paying you. But at one point I looked at my business partner, I was like, this scares me. He's like, why? I was like, because if this goes away, we got nothing, man. Yeah. You know, like we need to go replicate this. And I just don't like even that pressure being on any one relationship. I want to always, you know, I saw this documentary, forgive me for making this about us for a second, but no, I saw this documentary ahead. about Metallica. Did you ever see that Netflix documentary on Metallica? I'm a little older than you, so I kind of have to watch Metallica documentaries. <laughs> so at one part, the band was broken up again and the lead singer was going through rehab and whatever, and they had actually hired a coach uh, somewhat similar to us, he did a little bit different stuff, but he he basically was with the band for like a year and a half, helping them navigate discussions, work on themselves, because all that dynamic was getting in the way of the music, of creating yeah. albums, whatever. And there was this cringeworthy part at the end where he had done good work and their time had come to a natural end. And they basically said like, hey, you know, thank you. Like you, he, they even said in the documentary, you've become like a father figure to us, but I think we're good now. And I was watching him try to keep spinning it to get himself to stay a part of the band, to stay a part of the business, because I'm sure, I think he was making like 50K a month from them. And he had just moved his family for some reason to, you know, where they were. And I was like, he's got over-invested. This guy should not be putting all his eggs in this thing. Like, you need to graciously say, yes, our time has come to an end. I'm glad you found it valuable and move on. And I remember telling my partner, I was like, I never want to be in that position. Yep. I never want to be begging for this to stay around one more year 
because you are our main source. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Introduce me to your friends. Don't, 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 don't stick around. Introduce me to your friends. Exactly. Or just yeah. thank you. Like, yeah. Hey, it's been a great relationship. Thank you. I'm glad you found it valuable. We found it valuable and let's move on. So anyways, that was a few years ago. We started saying, all right, let's let this be something we learn to duplicate yeah, with, nice. with other similar companies. Uh, okay. So back to you. Also in the early days, we talked about the most challenging. What was the most exciting for you? If you can think back on it, like, what were the things that you would find yourself being like, oh my God, this is, this got fun today because we got our first win or the team's coming together. I can't believe I'm not alone. Like, can you remember any of the things that would help you fly high that would counterbalance the, the lows that happened in the journey? Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, those, the, the, the wins are big, but I, I remember, um, I really enjoy the, the, the people aspect of, of, growing a company and that's you know not only the or it's certainly the external people but it really centers around internal and i, I remember um we, we we have an employee that that's been with us i actually when when we when we do intros on new prospect calls i typically uh tell the story that when he hired me because it feels like he's been here longer than i have <laughs> um and uh his, his name is tony and the very first day Tony shows up. Uh, so first of all, the, the the very first day that he showed up was the day after he interviewed because we were really in need of, of somebody with with analytics talent to to, to add to the to very small team at the time. Tony blew me away in the interview, and uh, so I asked him, much like Michael Birch asked me, like, when can you get started? And he was like, Well, you know, I was um, I, I, this was, I think, a Thursday or Wednesday, and he he said something about uh, his girlfriend at the time and was living in Wisconsin. He's like, "Well, we're we're supposed to go to St. Louis this weekend for for a visit." And he goes, "So you know, does Monday sound good?" I was like, "Wow, yeah, that's that that that's that's great." I, I was kind of thinking about maybe <laughs> tomorrow, but no, that's that's fine. He goes, "Well, I mean, we've been to St. Louis a lot, like um, wow." Uh, honestly like we can just do it the next weekend if you're if you're that much in need so he shows up the next day that has nothing to do except that 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 day happened to be the day that we that we got the life point contract our very first real contract so he shows up we sign this contract and that day we were up for our first award as a company at the national technology council we didn't win we got the a participant trophy but um <laughs> It was like the national, the NTC awards, and we were startup of the year or something to that effect, and we we'd barely gotten funding at that point. Um, but Tony shows up. We're like, we got the LifePoint contract. We pop champagne at the office. We had an extra seat at the at the table of the awards banquet because we didn't have enough people in the company to fill a table. So Tony gets to go to this networking event. And like at the end of the networking event, which he was amazing at, he was a great networker. Uh, but anyway, he's, we're, we're kind of walking out. He goes, so like, is every day like this? And I'm like, no, it, it's not. It, <laughs> I, I wish, but it's not. But like just those moments and those memories. And yeah, now that we're 10 years you know, into this company, um, like just there's so many little moments with, with people. Um, it just makes it all. I mean, I don't. It, I don't even think about the hard times really. They're, those are like just part of it. To, yeah. To the good. Yeah. It seems like to me, it's from what I can tell because I didn't birth my kids. But how my yeah. wife, 
how my wife describes the birth of our three kids, where she's like, I remember that it was tough, but so many memories have replaced that since then that you don't remember it as, as much as you felt it in the moment. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, man, cause early on the entrepreneurial journey, it can be gut wrenching, disappointing, scary, anxious. Yeah. Right. But then when it starts working and people start buying in and your team starts shaping up and you realize this thing's working and all those other memories start to replace that. Sometimes it's hard to even remember quite how it felt. Right. Yeah. Um, that's awesome, man. So let's fast forward a little bit. You are now running a much bigger company that is growing like leaps and bounds. Uh, you got five kids. How in the world are you leading yourself in a way that allows you to stay sharp and juggle that many balls and probably hats you're wearing in the organization? Or have you worn less hats? Has, has part of it been a process of really kind of delegating and elevating to more specific to your abilities? I'm just curious on, on that whole front, wherever you want to take it. Yeah. Uh, what well, I added the whole mess, uh, my wife and I added a second dog two days ago. So Perfect. just, you know, more dependence chaos going on around the house. I've got three kids. Can I ship them over to you for the summer? We won't know. So it's fine. <laughs> That's right. Just I, throw don't, them in ask. There. don't ask, don't tell. Awesome. Um, um, yeah. What was your question? I totally forgot. Yeah. With all that going on, your wife just added a second dog. Oh, yeah. How in the world are you staying sharp and not, not no, dropping what? a bunch so, of balls? Uh, about, I guess it's about a year ago now. Um, I was just telling our, our new VP of marketing this morning in our one-on-one. I, I feel like Stratasan's in version five at this point. We've, we've had no real major major pivots, if you will, you know, we're, we're kind of doing what we set out to do. It didn't, we had no clue it would look like this. Sure. We're really kind of doing what we, what we thought we would, which is, it is truly surprising to me in a lot of ways. Um, but about a year ago, we were really, uh, it was getting more and more apparent how nascent our processes were, right? We were at the size where we needed, all the processes and virtually had none of them. Mm. And we ended up, um, I had read the book Traction a number of years ago by Gino Wickman. Yes. And um, by the third time I had read it, you know, some of the stuff had really sunk in. We actually, back in 2016, we used the the the, the core values section um, to build our core values, which truly are the foundation of our company. But we never did anything else with the book in 2016. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to, but we we just didn't have the people. And you mentioned, you know, removing some hats and such. And about a year ago, we we um, we really went full board with EOS. And uh, actually, our our uh, integrator is our implementer is uh, is in Atlanta. He's, he's no a, way. Yeah, Benj Miller. If you, uh, I'll give him a nice. Yes, I know Benj. Nice. What? Yeah. So Ben's and I, my wife and I, when we were uh, first married, uh, lived next door to Ben's and Erica, his wife, uh, in a condo in Buckhead in Atlanta. Come on. And yeah, this, uh, so a year and a half ago, we're starting to search for EOS implementers. There weren't that many in Nashville at the time. And uh, strangely enough, our commercial real estate guy, is good friends with Ben's. He goes, Oh, you know, you know, Ben's Miller. I was like, yeah. And he was like, wait, that's what he does now. I'm like, yes. What? I had no clue. 
Binge has been unbelievable for our company. EOS has been yeah. unbelievable for our company. I really highly, I, I, I don't know. I've, I've probably turned at least four companies on it at this point. Yep. And I highly recommend Binge. So if you're in Atlanta listening to this and you're struggling with processes, I would. It's BingeMiller.com, I believe. Uh, binge, not Benji. Yeah. B E N J. And yep. uh, but we, but we started that 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 journey about a year ago, and it's been unbelievable for our. It's been absolutely you know transformational for our company to to start building processes. You, you well when you said delegate and elevate, and I'm like. I know US that language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the US language. And um, yep. so we run, so we run our company off of that. That helped us get traction early on. Yeah. And then as coaches, we found that need popping up a lot. So we've done dozens of, of those with companies, but we got to a place where it was less and less kind of our core passion and focus. Mm-hmm. I got to know binge and, you know, I don't know if we'll edit this part out or not. I don't know if it matters, but basically said, will you be our preferred guy? that if we run across clients that need this, you're so good at this and he only wants to do that. Like, we're just going to send him to you because yeah. he's, like you said, well, he's I'm, I'm, I'm here to endorse that. So he's phenomenal. Like, you know, yeah. It's, obviously this has happened chance that it came up, but yeah, I'll, I'll endorse that anytime. Uh, it, it truly has been transformational for us to, to implement EOS. Um, actually it's one of my quarterly rocks this quarter is to propagate it further down. So getting L10s and such. Yeah, down further. We, we, we've done a we, we started at the senior leadership team level and we continue to push down in, into the organization. And it's it's been unbelievable for our company. So cool. I can't wait to let him know he's he showed up on this episode. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> That's awesome. OK, so that was that was a big one for you guys that helped you Huge. start to get a handle on your business. Sounds like you even got to see some areas that you could maybe let go of and strategically put other people in place of. So has that been a big part of kind of organizing all the crazy responsibilities and complexity that the business has become? Yeah, it was, you know, and painful at times because um, it, it helped identify how, how poorly I was designing the organization mm. and how much, you know, that, you know, EOS really kind of puts a, puts a spotlight on those areas of, of greatest need. And um and those aren't always very easy to, sure. to unwind and, and get right. Uh, one of our core values is honest conversations make us stronger, and 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 that that really serves us well when we're you know when we're having to make you know pretty significant shifts, um, you know throughout the org. That's awesome, man. Man, again, good on you. That's another great example for you finding what you need out there and saying like, I'm going to invest in this. Right. Yeah. Like instead of trying to create all these systems and structures myself, like what's out there that we could just use. I just had a conversation with a guy, a potential client yesterday. And that was my advice to him, even though it wasn't us likely doing the business. Yep. I was like, man, you guys are growing and, and scaling so fast that you don't have an operating system. Right. And you're going to have to, it's going to take you forever to create your own operating system. Or you could just get back to doing what you do best and bring in something like EOS. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, okay. For, so for us, it came down to if anybody, you know, if other listeners are looking at at different, you know, ones, it came down, you know, ma- mastering the Rockefeller habits. Yeah. And um, I can't remember the, the, the which name is of uh, what's his name? We had him on here. I'm oh, a, Vern, Har- Vern Harnish. Vern Harnish. Yeah, we've, yeah. we've interviewed him on this. Yeah, he's great. So, and that's a great that's a great system, and it could be potentially better for very, very early stage mm-hmm. companies where we were 
EOS made more sense. I felt EOS was actually more scalable um, yeah. for us, at least. I, I just identified with it more. I think I think either program is probably going to be great. Both books are very much worth reading. Yeah. And then uh, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits has uh, Scaling Up as the as the second book, and, and yep. they're, they're all great books. And I, and you know, so I think one of the the, the roadblocks at, at a very early stage is, and I can't afford I can't afford to you know pay our developer or our what you know whatever it may be how are we going to do do something like this and you know so i, I would encourage you know reading the, these specific types of books yeah uh, especially as an entrepreneur you know those are not my skill sets right I, i'm not a, i'm not a, a skilled or educated operator uh or financials or um I, th those books were really really eye-opening for me and it was, uh, but I would never, I, I was never able to really implement or kind of uh, realize the value that they could on my own. Uh, and as we were able to start building, you know, truly building out our first senior leadership team back in 2016, like kind of getting it away from the founders mm. and getting a real, you know, senior leadership team, we're now in the throes of really building that, that next layer of leaders and managers and um, that's a that's a real focus for us right now because you know now that we're you know roughly seventy people, that's becoming more and more critical. Um, yeah, it's 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 just a it's a it's a fascinating journey. I think it's those transition points, you know, where you can really look up, and if you don't take the time to 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 look back far enough to learn, um, it, you can really look up and, and have a mess on your hands. Absolutely. All right. So while we're using EOS language, what would you consider your unique ability? The thing you are best at and you most enjoy? Uh, me personally? Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, uh, what I'm best at. Um, um, let's talk about like ideation. Um, yeah. I'm begrudgingly a visionary. I, I, I hate that term. Why? Um, but so I'm begrudgingly a visionary. I really well, want to be an integrator, but I'm just not. Why, I want Why do you I hate do, that term? I don't know. Uh, that, this, that I wish they had a different term for that. That <laughs> seems a little bit egocentric to me. I I don't know. I, I'm actually for some reason flush right now thinking about being, calling myself a visionary. Uh, <laughs> but as, as you can see, I have my trusty whiteboard here, and and I I love whiteboarding, and not just whiteboarding to throw a bunch of crap on the wall. I really like whiteboarding to a point, you know, to like get to a yeah. A solution. I, re I I really like the banter that goes along with whiteboarding and passing the marker and go just just going around, and um, and it, but the thing I'm awful at is is getting that on a on a sheet of paper, like yes, in draft like written format, and and it's a skill that I'm actually trying to learn really really hard right now. Um, and we'll get back to that in just a minute. And then the third piece of that is actually taking that draft idea that that, that, that was written down. I'm, I'm actually pretty good at editing and nudging those hmm. back into like a what more polished. So, I, so I'm kind of good at stage one and I'm kind of good at stage three and I'm awful at stage two. <laughs> and come to find out stage two is probably the most critical business skill that, that all of us can work on, which is written word. Mm. And um, I'm going to butcher the phrase, but it's a phrase that's very, uh, it's kind of our mantra as a senior leadership team right now, which is um, clarity in writing illustrates clarity in thought. Mm. 
that'll Google that. It's not the right. Those aren't the right words. I get what it means. Though. And, uh, and, and what it means or, or what, what I take it to mean is, you know, anybody can talk about this great idea they have in their head, <clears throat> put pen to paper and you're going to be much like me and just be stuck mm-hmm. because it's probably not a very good idea or, and you haven't thought you haven't grasped it, it yes yeah yeah so we've really started implementing rfcs which is request for comments uh as a tool in our company so widespread if you want to to, to propagate an idea in the company we have an rfc template so once again request for comments pretty pretty straightforward um actually the internet was built on the original rfc so rfcs were disparate people getting an idea together and bat- battering it back and forth and huh. thus comes the internet um, so it's a developer-centric tool or develop, developer-created tool, which a lot are. Um, so you, you, you must get your idea on a sheet of paper. You're like, no, 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 I just want to I I talk about it. I want to whiteboard about it. I'm like, that's fine. But after that session, you're responsible for getting that on paper. And then it's there for others to read and comment. Don't edit. Comment on it. And you're responsible as the author to then respond to those comments, think through, use a growth mindset, maybe edit or alter your original thought mm. or justify why you feel the original thought is better. And that, you know, serves a certain point in time. And then you have a published date and that may be, you know, that may end up being <clears throat> a new sales process for sales stages. It may be a new product idea. It may, it may be a feature request. But really getting that solidified through a through group thing starts with getting that clarity in writing. And that's going to make you be clearer in your thought. Man, that's super cool because it has a great interplay between the individual's responsibility and the group's collaboration. That's right. Where it's like, yeah, you have to kind of take that next step, which makes me cringe. So I hope my team doesn't listen to this because I don't want to do that. But I, well, it puts the onus on you too because I, that's you, can't what I'm saying. Be the, you can't be the boss. That's what I'm saying. You got to, you got to, you have, you have to be as naked as anyone else and get your thoughts on paper and let them, let them get beat up. Yeah. I don't have a problem with being naked metaphorically, but uh, for some reason, yeah, same thing. Like it felt like hell writing my first book. Just I'd rather talk. I'd rather talk. And it was so much harder, but I get it. I get exactly what you're saying. So that's why I think it's brilliant. You're, you're forcing the person to distill their ideas, to go through their own internal filtering process by putting pen to paper, which naturally makes you do. And then with a little more forethought, you invite collaboration in there. And then at that point you can edit it and give a final product. That's, that's super cool. Do you know Uh, how much, do you know how much my coworkers enjoy asking me if I've written my RFC yet when I want to spout off about some new idea or new (laughs) thought? Like, Oh, do you have that? You have that written down in your RFC? Yeah. Like, son of a, Oh, literally, I feel like I'm flushing right now because I'm like, man, I could, I can totally see my team listening to this and be like, that's what we're doing. Yeah, this accountability say, stuff goes both ways, unfortunately. Shit, yeah. uh, I love it. So yes, visionary. Which, by the way, I know I felt the same way because it feels like you're calling yourself like a prophet or something. It's literally right. just a function of the business that your personality lends more to big ideas, creative brainstorming, outside the box thinking. Let's find a solution to a problem. Uh, love that. And it sounds like you've also surrounded yourself with some of those other critical personalities as well. Mm-hmm. What were some for you? I've always found this fascinating. What were some of the counterbalances to your personality that you've been able to bring in, let's say to your leadership team or something that really just b- works well 
with your personality, meaning you're, you're a 30,000 foot view, man, they're ground level, right? Or you bring up an idea, they chase it down. Like, you know, CFO sometimes is that for a visionary, like someone who actually like well, loves thinking about numbers and. Yeah. I admit the luckiest bounce of, of, of my career is, is meeting my partner. Um, uh, he's our co-founder and CTO and, you know, Brian Daly, uh, he's basically everything I'm not. Um, mm. we, we are, we're, we're kind of of the same moral fiber and of the same work ethic and we care about culture and people in the exact same way. Um, but our approach to things, uh, he, he's, I mean, he literally, we, we are a yin and yang and, uh, we happen chance met once again, a lucky bounce as to how we met. We, I, I had a friend that had an office in their building or he had a house of a off or office and he had these three desks that weren't being used and Nashville had no co-working space. This is in 09. And he's like, would you be interested in renting one of these desks? Cause I need to get out of the house with a bunch of kids in it. And um, so I said, yes. And started showing up. He goes, would you, would you, do you think anybody else would be interested in this? And once again, this co-working space was not a thing. And I go, yeah, ab- I think absolutely. And so he, you know, uh, put a tweet out there, which was really fairly new at the time. And um, Brian had just moved to Nashville from New York City um, and was needing a place to get out of the house. Saw this tweet, signed up, showed up. We were sitting in, like, literally not talking to each other in a room, you know, but every now and then we'd say, hey. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, you know, the relationship slowly grew to, into, into something just unbelievably I, – I can't tell you how fortunate I am. And now, you know – 11 years later, uh, we're still at it. He told me when I first very shyly said, would you mind working on this alpha product that I'm thinking about doing? Because remember, I've never written a line of code. He said, yeah, I guess. I mean, he really didn't want to. And then, you know, he, he helped me. And then I don't know if I ever actually like said the words co-founder to him, at the beginning because he was very much, I mean, he had a great life going as a developer and an mm. independent guy. So I didn't want to scare him off. Um, but I do remember when we got our, got our first seed check in May of 2011. And, and you know, he was like, Jason, I have, I have to tell you, you know, I think when we get to be about eight people, I'm going to be out. Like, it's not going to be me anymore. Like that's, Whoa. that's not going to fit me. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. You know, that that's that's cool and uh here we are 70 people and 10 years later and what 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 changed his mind uh well only he did only he can yeah yeah yeah. uh, um i you know i think it was just the slow you know like the slow relationship build of um um i I don't know and and you know we have a real mutual respect for each other and um, he, he generally liked what we were trying to do. And mm. I don't know, it was just, a, it's been a beautiful partnership. It's been unbelievable. So cool, man. Yeah. I'm also just thinking back on how many times we've talked about the lucky bounce. Yeah. And I told you it was going to come up a few times. Yeah. But it's beautiful again. Like yeah. this is, I'm curious to know. Yeah. Maybe I'm curious to know your, your thoughts or philosophy behind it, but I was intrigued when I heard, um, uh, well, I cannot believe I'm drawing a blank on this obvious name, Jim Collins. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jim Collins. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's like forgetting a major player in your space's name. Uh, right. But he was talking about um, what he calls who luck. And that he, he, he kind of believes most people, if not all people, will have close to the amount of the same who luck that you, you chance ran into or met or whatever people that could potentially be very lucky for you that you met them, yeah. but that not many people know what to do with that luck. Yeah. And that often a big difference, not the only, but often a big difference between those who end up being successful and those who don't can be attributed to capitalizing in a good way, not a manipulative way, but like sure. knowing how to take advantage of that lucky bounce. Right. I, I've actually never heard that from Jim Collins. Do you know what book or, I mean, I can Google it, but uh, I'm pretty sure I heard a, it. It's really interesting. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a, maybe a podcast I was listening to that he was being interviewed on, but yeah, I should never forget. He called it who luck. And yeah, I like that. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. So do you feel the same way that you look and say like, man, things could have turned out much different if I didn't, pay attention to that chance encounter or take that person up on it and say, I'll be there Monday. Right. Like I'm going to move into the entrepreneurial center. I mean, here, here we are. That's right. <laughs> you know, That's right. When, when people ask me what I would change I, and I don't mean this in any way, except just honesty, I, I hard road and all we're here. So I, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, Beautiful. it's uh, I'm, I'm very, grateful that, that we've gotten here and, and I'm looking forward to doing, doing more with it. So, you know, if I've pinpointed any one thing, you know, whatever, whether that's the, uh, what is it, sliding doors or yeah butter, butterfly effect, I, yeah, that's right. I don't want to, I don't want to change anything because here we are and, and I, you know, I want to keep doing this. That's awesome, man. Well, it, it's, it's also just fitting to me that usually when I'm talking to people that, that really describe that luck of the bounce, that who luck, it's always surprising to me because they're also brilliant people. Like I'm talking to you, you're clearly brilliant, hardworking, all these things that probably make you uncomfortable for me to tell you right now. Yeah. Yet your go-to is to look at that. And I like that there's some kind of tension between humility and confidence where we have to have confidence to stay in the game, right? Like in some degree, you've bet on yourself. You bet that you could figure it out, that you could find a solution, even if you weren't a developer, even if you didn't know the healthcare space, yet it was tempered by our intention with a humility that I don't know everything. And man, a lot of things have gone my way. And I, I just like that. I like that. That's a beautiful tension to me. I appreciate you saying that, man. Yes, sir. All right. Before I make you blush anymore, let's get into the lightning <laughs> round. Otherwise, was uh, that obvious? Can you put a filter on that or anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just know, I know your personality type. So here we go. Uh, five questions for us to end on. Uh, we ask these questions at the end of every interview. All right. uh, number one, uh, here we go. If you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would it be? Uh, so uh, we have a core value. Our success is my success. And uh, it is the leading core value that we have. If, if you don't have that quality, I, I think you'll be a bad fit in our organization. So I think another way to, to, to put that is it's not about you. Love it. Love it. Which is why you blush so much when I make it about you. <laughs> Number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business and the worst? Um, ooh, um, the best, I'm going to go with the, uh, the advice to, to get and properly utilize mentors. 
Mm. Um, you know, I, I can't remember what you what what you define it as, but uh, Michael Burcham used to talk about it as use somebody else's scar tissue. Yeah. So you know that that's that's a real thing. So utilize them appropriately. Mm. Mentorships, mentor mentor relationships are not meant to be forever either. So mm. really get a good understanding. Utilize them. Go ask. People really actually want to help. So utilize mentors effectively. And remember that that you know. Uh, they're there because they want to help, but do the work, right? Yeah. Show up prepared, show up, you know, be ready to communicate. And it's not for them to make that decision for you, right? Like in the end, you can have all the, the best mentors in the world, but your board of investors are counting on you to make the decision, right? That's right. So, so that's a big one. Worst advice. Um, I don't know if this is advice or not. I can't stand the phrase or the thought process around um, nobody's going to care as much as you do as the entrepreneur. I think that's total bullshit. Mm. I got why is that? a lot of people in this company that care as much as I do. I, yes. I, I know that. Like I, I see it. I, I, I feel it when they show up and don't quit. And like, I, I, I just don't like that mental. Yeah. I, I get it. Don't depend on, you know, don't. Right. I guess you can't, you know, expect everyone to care as much as you, but. To think that nobody's going to care as much as you do, I just think is just garbage. I don't, I don't, I don't like that thought process. And it probably means you created something that's kind of like garbage if you're the only one that cares about it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I just never bought into that that philosophy. I, 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 because I, 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 I don't know. I, I, it's not a philosophy. I see it every day. Yeah, cool. Love that. Okay, number three. What causes you the most worry or stress as the leader of your organization? Hmm. Um, you know, as, as, as we continue to grow, I, me I mentioned version five earlier, right? And um, as, as we approach the next version, we're, we're just now in version five, so we're not approaching version six anytime soon. But e each of those versions, I, I've always questioned, am I the right person for this next version? Because at some point, you know, the Peter principle is going to come into play here, right? And I'm, I'm going to get promoted to my lowest level of incompetency. Uh, I feel very comfortable with with my position today. Uh, I feel like I've 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 a good feeling about version six, but I do feel like version seven is going to be where I peter out. <laughs> so I I think that's um. So I don't have a I don't it, it, I, I don't live a whole lot of life in fear, but when I think about things, you know, am I doing the right things to, 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 I guess, make the best experience for our employees and our, and our, you know, client, client partners, our vendors. Yeah. I just need to make sure I do that. Cool. Thank you for that answer. That's, that's awesome. I know I've heard that a lot uh, where founders fast forward some and just wonder like, is there ever going to be a place where I stop being able to evolve with the needs of the company? Right. Yeah. I think that's a natural thought process in the back of most people's heads. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If not, you 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 likely won't be able to. <laughs> right. Um, that's awesome. Okay, number four. What is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal? Well, EOS-wise, um, we changed our 10-year target into a five-year target because I think 10-year targets are a little silly. 
But uh, as I mentioned, you know, we're, we're going up against, you know, some behemoths in the space and, you know, at, as kind of a overarching goal for the company, uh, our, our BHAG is, is to be the most sought after healthcare growth partner uh, in, in the nation. So when Heck yeah. somebody's trying to grow a healthcare company, immediately I want to be the first name they come up, you know, they, they come to. Let's go. I love it. Number five, if you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past and tell yourself one thing, what would you say and when would you go back? Now, I know you already said, like many of my podcast guests, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm not asking you to change anything. Yeah. That's one way you could take the question. Another would just be, when's a time that maybe I needed to hear something encouraging from myself in the future? Well, you're not you know. supposed to do this, Marty. So uh, <laughs> That's right. And as long and I, as that DeLorean is running on a flux capacitor instead of the engines that were actually in DeLoreans because they didn't run very well. Not so hot, were they? Um, so my, my personal mantra was a core value, uh, for the company and then version whenever four, maybe three, three transition to four. And we built our first core values as a company. Um, it was one of them and it evolved out of our core values as a company, because at a certain level of version, if it's about the entrepreneur, mm. you're not doing it right. And it, it was, it was kind of uniform across the team. Uh, but I, but I had this mantra, I still have this mantra of show up, don't quit. Mm. And um, I, if, if I were to, to go back, you know, longer in my life, whenever I started adopting that, uh, I would have adopted that mantra sooner. a little sooner. Cool. Cool. That's why I like asking the question because you end up finding things that have been somewhat guiding for you, yeah. right? That even if you technically wouldn't go back and change it, it, it kind of reveals, yeah, that, that was an important lesson for me to learn that I probably had some pain before I learned that lesson, right? Yeah. And, and after. Yeah. <laughs> and after. Awesome. Here well, to avoid pain. Well, Jason, man, thank you so much for making time and your busy schedule to be here. This has been so fun for me. I know it's been valuable for our audience. You are uh, inspiring, man. Honestly, not trying to butter your bread, uh, but you've done some something amazing there in Nashville. It keeps growing. I'm excited to see version six, version seven, and and all the 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 rest of the growth. So, man, thank you so much for being on here today. We really appreciate you having me. This this was a lot of fun. Uh, I know we had we'd never spoken before, so that can be a little little shaky coming in. Yeah, uh, but but this was fantastic. I, we did I, all right on our first date, right? all right yeah we'll have a second one there we go there we go all right buddy take care have a great day all right thanks a lot drew founders thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed it make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results